You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The correct Jordan Hare Stadium time is 8.20 Central Daylight Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast, harbored by collegeofmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It is I, Son of Crow, at Son of Crow 2 on Twitter, your guide through the cosmos that is Auburn sports. I'm sorry. To one side of me is the rumor monger, Ryan Starrett. The S stands for State Lost. <laughs> I and, am the newest Opelika resident. Hey, close today before the show. Oh, yeah. To the other side of me giving you full Fort Payne ASMR is not AU Chief. It is through the magic of the internet on Skype, a man named Joshua Black. Josh, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, buddy. All right, Joshua B. Black on Twitter, if you would like to follow him. He, just like Chief, does have 100 years of down-home running through his blood. On today's show, we're going to talk a little Auburn soccer. Who had a ranked, uh, a ranked win, beat number 18 Tennessee, uh, and beat them in Auburn at the Auburn Soccer Complex, one to nothing. But then turned around and went on the SEC Network to Oxford, Mississippi on a Sunday night and lost. And, you know... That's, a, that's just the way the SEC schedule is in soccer. It's tough to go on the road. And, I mean, like, college soccer is very unique. There are very few other realms of soccer in which you'll play a game on Thursday and then turn around and play again on Sunday. Like, that's just not a normal soccer thing. Um, but, you know, you gotta, that's, why, that's why they allow them to sub as much as they are because you've got to be able to rotate your girls around and get them, uh, keep them fresh and keep them rested. All right, so that's the soccer bit of our podcast, as we always do. We want to start it off with soccer because this is, in fact, the most soccer, Auburn soccer podcast that there is. The most soccer. We soccer more than anybody else. But let's go basketball. Josh, did you hear that Sharif Cooper committed? Uh, I believe that if I could have done a cartwheel on Saturday, I would have over that news, bro. Um, Quite possibly. The biggest news in the history of Auburn basketball recruiting happened uh, this past weekend, and I could not be more excited about it. Yeah, he's the highest-rated recruit that Auburn has ever had commit in basketball. Ryan, who was the previous high? So it was Mustafa Heron. Um, I think he was kind of the first five-star of the Bruce era. But yeah. now it's uh, now Sharif Cooper. Point and if, if, if Sharif can have the effect on the program <clears> – <throat> That Mustafa did. Now I know people are like, "Oh, Mustafa transferred away," but like Mustafa Heron committing to Auburn was a a moment in Auburn sports history where it was like, "Okay, well, this is a serious program. This is not just picking up." Like Austin Wiley was a big deal, but his parents both played for Auburn. That's a legacy. Picking up a guy like Mustafa or Sharif means that you mean business. You're playing the game uh, to win, not just to have, not just have fun. And not just to like hopefully make the tournament. You're trying to actually make some noise. And that's what Auburn has not only proven with last year's 
Final Four run, but proven that, that Bruce is not content with one trip to the Final Four. He wants to build a program. Well, it, to me, it's just a testament to the fact that you look at the guys that went to the Final Four this past year and the way that that roster was compiled, you had a lot of, you had a lot of lower star recruits on that roster that gelled together as a team and with the staff knowing how to get the right mix of players together, the injection of talent we have, there's literally never been a time in the history of Auburn basketball to be more excited than right now. We're living in the best time of Auburn basketball history. And I thought I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who, including myself, who think that, you know, that this the fact that Alabama has people who don't come to their don't go to their games because they they've gotten so spoiled with uh with success. I think that's a testament to they aren't under the un, under the impression that this is as good as it's ever going to get. They think this is what it's going to be forever. And I do not not to, I don't want to compare what Bruce has done in in a couple of years to Alabama. That's not what I'm trying to do, but I don't want to ever get to the point where. I'm not excited about a midweek win over Mississippi State or going on the road to Ole Miss and winning a game. That's a big deal for Auburn. I will tell you, this this is more unprecedented. What Bruce Pearl has done in Auburn basketball is more unprecedented than anything Nick Saban has done in Tuscaloosa. That's true. Especially the difference in, like, spending. Auburn isn't outspending every other SEC team on basketball facilities and stuff. We just have a coach who's able to get – recruits and, and and is able to coach him up yeah and what this what this uh commitment of sharif does is you know Auburn. it's not going to make auburn more of a championship team i mean they're you went to the final four last year you can't just because you're fine, signing five stars expect to continue doing that but what it does do is it raises the floor yeah. whereas you know if you're still signing three and four stars you make a run to the final four you know maybe you're barely a tournament team the next year but when you're signing this kind of talent it makes you a a tournament program every year and gives you more opportunities to go deep um, on any given season. We're yeah. at a point with Auburn basketball to where Kentucky fans are left wondering right now, how are they going to compete for players with Auburn? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Um, all right, Ryan, you got something else. You want to talk about Auburn and the pros. So this is something that we, We've done in football a lot, and I've, I've hoped that somebody would do it with Auburn basketball because it's very difficult to keep up with international basketball in some of these yeah. leagues. And I always wish that somebody would compile a database of where are all the Auburn former players plying their trade these days. Right, and especially with basketball because it's such an international game. I mean, most former college football players don't go play football in other countries. Um, so with basketball, it's really an interesting thing to see where everybody goes. So on Twitter, uh, Carter Michaels at the real C Mike, he kind of put out a list, uh, like two hours before recording this really good content. Um, so what we're going to do is crow. Tell me how you want to do this. I can either just read them off to you and you tell me what you know about these different teams. Yeah. Or I can tell you the player and ask if you know what team they're on. Oh, I probably don't. Yeah. Let's do the other one. Okay. So we'll start with some of the more obvious ones um, to you guys in the NBA from last year's team. Chumo Kiki is going to be on the Orlando Magic. Rebuilding year for the Magic. Right. Chuma might not. Redshirt is going to play. Chuma. And that's on purpose for the Magic. Although I do think they've got some good 
guys that they signed uh, in free agency. And I really like Aaron Gordon a lot. This could be the year Aaron Gordon takes a leap. And if that's the case, then next year when Chuma is back playing, he's going to have the best power forward he's ever had playing with him. Uh, and you put a Chuma Okiki with a dominant Aaron Gordon, you've got to, you're, the magic is going to be a really fun Especially team to watch. in the East. I mean, yeah. There's not much there that they had to go up against. He may, he may have gone, and this is going to sound crazy, Chuma may have gone to the perfect spot for Chuma in terms of roster fit next year. Yeah. Okay, so there's two guys on two-way deals. Uh, Jared Harper with the Phoenix Suns. He'll be playing with the Northern Arizona Suns. So as much as Jared's been all over the Phoenix Suns Twitter the last yeah, couple of days. He might make the roster. He might be on the big boy team. Yeah. And then Bryce Brown signed a deal with the Celtics. Uh, be playing with the main Red Claws. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a main Red Claws jersey. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool jersey. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty rad. Um, all right, so let's go to the international guys. Uh, again, we'll start with kind of... The guys that have been playing more recently, and we'll, sure. I think we'll go backwards. I think that's how he has to set up. Uh, Malik Dunbar on the Artland Dragons. The Artland Dragons are in the second league in Germany. Um, they are in a weird town. I mean, that's a, they're super far north um, of where I lived. They're north and, uh, and not quite to Hamburg, so they're not, like, they're not in the big season, a small town. And What kind of American town would that be like? Would it be like Auburn? Yeah, it'd be like Auburn. Or like, yeah. Even like moving to Germany's Auburn, like a village that happens to have a professional basketball team. And they were at one point first league. Then they went down to the second and then they, they went back up to the first. They went bankrupt. And then when they restarted a year later, they had to be in the third league because they were bankrupt. And now they've worked their way back up to the hmm. second league. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Horace Spencer. Also, rad jerseys. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of these uh, international teams have some pretty cool names. Uh, Horace Spencer is going to be playing with, uh, tell me if I get this pronunciation right, Atinas Cordoba? I think that's right. They're actually one of the better. I didn't know anything about they're them. They're in Argentina. Yeah, they're an Argentinian team, and they're actually one of the better ones. So mm-hmm. Horace has got a really good chance to have a huge fan base because Argentinians are crazy about basketball. The ones who watch it are crazy about it. All right, and I think it's Switzerland. Uh, TJ Dunnins is playing for BBC Monty. No way. I had no idea that. I don't know that team. I had no idea he was in Switzerland. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, Laurent Smith playing with BC Lulea, maybe Sweden. I'm just looking at flags here. So. Okay. Is it a red flag with the white cross on it? Uh, no, it is. That's Switzerland. That's Switzerland. Uh-huh. Sweden. I'm looking at a blue flag with a yellow. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yellow. Looks like Ikea. Yeah. Yes. Malcolm Canada is playing for KB Ponta Prezini. And you're going to have to tell me what that flag is, girl. Okay, here we go. KB Ponta Prezini. That, I think, is the flag of... Uh, is that Co- Kosovo? KB. This is great radio. <laughs> uh, Ponta Prezini. Yeah. It's not in Canada. I can tell you that. It is Kosovo. Boom! Pizrin Kosovo. Okay, currently playing the Kosovo Basketball Super League. All right, man, I feel really good about that. <laughs> Casey Ross Miller is playing in Liege Basket. That's in Belgium. Belgium, okay. Uh, Tay Waller plays. Hey, that league actually is pretty fun. Yeah. Who is that that plays for Liege? Casey Ross Miller. Liege is a really cool. That's a really cool town. Liege is home of one of the best breweries in the history of the world. Uh, don't take my word for it. Matter of fact, the yeast from the brewery in Liege was so good, the Belgian government, to the expense of the taxpayer, created a safe where they held uh, yeasts from various breweries in Belgium in case of a nuclear fallout. When life comes back to the earth, that's can, the beer we're going to We have. can brew beer, you know, the same beer that they've been brewing for 500 years. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not dumb over there in Belgium. Uh, Tay Waller is playing for KK Mornar Bar. 
Again, don't know what that flag is. KK, oh, I love this, this game. KK Mornar Bar. Wow. No, that's like Albania, I think. <laughs> cool. Some Eastern European ball. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Harris, um, let's see. Looks like he played in the Denver Nuggets Summer League team. That's in Denver. I figured that one. Uh, Sean Dixon Tatum, ADT, played for the Texas Legends. That Texas Legends is Dallas Mavericks. Who is that? Sean Dixon Tatum. And that, cool. this was the last season, so yeah. he may not be there still. Uh, Simeon Bowers played for the Wisconsin Herd and KKFMP. Yeah, that, is that KK the Filipino FNP team? was a Filipino team. Okay. That was Montenegrin flag. I'm, I feel terrible. Katie <laughs> uh, Farrell playing for, ooh, man, Paya Canestro Baella. Paya Canestro. You don't even have a flag. There's no flag on that okay. one. Yeah. Uh, Antoine Mason playing for Fujian Lightning. That's in China. That, is in, light, that is in China. And Kenny Gabriel playing for Turk Telecom. And Quantez Robertson is still playing for the Fraport Skyliners, I believe. There you go. Yeah, he added that one on the end. Yeah, uh, I saw him play he's been in Germany. for 10 years. Oh, yeah. He is, I mean, he's a legend there. He is a starter. He is a 10-year vet of the Bundes Basketball League. It's a, he's a big deal, actually. And what's funny about it, he still, he, uh, he still plays the exact same way he played at Auburn. Just a scrappy defender who's able to get freeze up, but it's more of a defensive presence than he's ever been offensive. Yeah, he led the SEC in steals his last year at Auburn. <laughs> and, uh, you know, led the conference in steals. Not a great scorer, but that's why that Auburn team made it to the NIT was because they just, no one could score on him. Football. The, uh, we'll talk a little fo- like, what's well, up, Josh? Actually, the, one, the one I'm paying attention to is Malik. Um, nobody is pulling harder for Malik to get paid overseas than me. Um, yeah. That being said, Malik needs to be back in Auburn at some point. I yeah. cannot imagine that as long as Bruce Pearl is at Auburn, that if Malik can find his way back, um, man, I'd just kill to see his presence as a GA or something just for locker room, just to have them gel. The dude is so chill and so fun. His presence in a locker room with Auburn basketball in a GA type role down the line is something that I. I am keeping my fingers crossed can happen because, man, that dude, that dude just helps people relax. I mean, we saw it this past year. I'm pulling for him to be able to make as much money as he can overseas. But selfishly, I want that dude back in Auburn in the next five, ten years if we can make it happen. For sure. I mean, I, I really I think this is a great opportunity for him. That's a team that could get promoted to the first league uh, with a little influx of talent, which is what he would give them. I cannot, having watched games over there, there's not going to be anybody he plays against that is on the same, in the same building as him athletically. So he, we, I wish so badly that we could find games, like streams of his games, because there would be a lot of classic Malik moments. Him playing against a bunch of guys who are three-point shooters and he's stretch dunk fours. On so many yeah, people. a bunch like, of slow stretch fours is kind of basically who he's playing against. Um, so he's just going to dunk on people, and it's going to be a blast. And so hopefully he gets a look with one of the larger clubs over there. Or his, if his club gets promoted, he'll get a big pay, payday. So that would be really, really good for him. Crow, what's the biggest international league outside of the NBA? The is Spanish it, league. Is it Spain? Yeah. Okay. Spanish That's league. That's what I thought. It goes, well, if you don't count the, like what, the version of the Champions League, which is the Euro League. So Euro League is like the Champions League in that it's, it's like the, the best teams from each the best league. teams from every other league. Um, and it's so good that a lot of the other European leagues are scared because some teams have threatened to just not play in their national league and only play Euroleague. 
which is probably a smarter move. They're playing, they play a ton of games. But it goes NBA, Spanish League, NBA G League, and then I think it goes Turkish League, uh, Italian League, right after that. And then you go to like, then Greece and China and like the Serbian leagues would kind of have an argument after that. But yeah, it's okay. China's actually China might be better than that. China's, depending on the year, can be really good. But depending on how many NBA players uh, didn't get signed, China, and if there's a lockout, if there's a pending lockout, you'll see a lot of NBA players that are fringe NBA players go sign contract with China for a lot of money um, so they can kind of save their cash. But yeah, that's... Stephon Marbury still playing over there? Stephon Marbury's not still playing over there, but they do have a statue of him outside of the stadium <laughs> that he played in. Uh, he, they, he, he also starred in a musical about himself um, in China, awesome. which is kind of... That's got to be Malik's dream. One day to star in a musical about yourself. You would be a great country. player in China. Yeah, man, they would love Malik Dunbar in China. <laughs> Multi- right, let's take a superstar. Absolutely. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little Auburn football. Okay, and we're back. Josh, did you get a chance to watch any of this, ba- this football game since you were at a wedding? I, first of all, I wasn't just at any wedding. I was at a wedding where I was a groomsman wearing a tuxedo with a red vest and a red tie. And uh, it may be the first time in my life I've worn red, bro. Uh, Is this a, was this a Samford wedding? It was, it was a wedding in Jasper, Alabama. Okay. Uh, I, I say no more than it just was a, uh, it, the bridesmaids dresses were red. The tuxes were red. The tablecloths were red. And wow. I'm just going to term it as the red wedding. And I was right. able to watch at the wedding was at five o'clock and at six o'clock during the reception, I was able to use my YouTube TV app to watch a murder of a yeah. first half. At this red wedding, um, yeah, it was incredible. It may be the best first half Auburn's ever played in a conference game, and I mean the first five minutes. Like it, I used to say the best first half Auburn ever played in a conference game was 2004 Tennessee at Tennessee. Yeah, I don't know if this was this was a bloodletting. This will be remembered. <laughs> Gus has a handful of these games. He's been at Auburn. There's the you know the 14 Arkansas game. No, the 15 Arkansas the 15 game. The 15 game. Um, every, every the last Arkansas time Mississippi State was at Auburn 2017. Yeah, there's um, every Arkansas game but the one. <laughs> right. There was one of the LSU games, um, 2014 maybe. Yeah. That's what I think you were at that one. Correct? I was at that. That's my, that was the last Auburn home game I went to until this season. Last year, I went to <laughs> the first half of Southern Miss. Yeah. yeah. So, guess we'll do this every once in a while. He'll have a, just maybe once a year, just a absolute destruction of an SEC team at home. Yeah. The, the hand of God slap that came down on Mississippi State felt very similar to the 2016 Arkansas game. I think we won that game 56-3. to yeah. uh, You could tell he wanted this one. Um, we should have been embarrassed by how we played last year. We should have won that game. Statistically, mm-hmm. we played like garbage, and yet we still were in a position to where if a, two calls go in a different way, we, we probably win that game. Um, so I love the fact that it was a stick in his crawl. I love the fact that his press conference on Tuesday was one where you could tell, I don't know if I've ever seen a press conference where you could tell he was speaking to the team at that press conference in a way of motivating them, which is not something that you see often out of him where, you know, he's, he's highly motivated. Normally you save that. Yeah, it's a big game for Arkansas. Uh, 
and I'm sure that that will come out again this year, but, man, it felt good to beat those folks. It yeah. felt good to beat them down, especially with – I will never forgive the people of Starkville, Mississippi, for what they put me through, and it was personal, with 2010 and a Mississippi State problem becoming an Auburn problem because they yeah. don't know how to finish. Yeah. I mean, they, it was a – the 2010, I over and over and over again, I was trying to defend Auburn against people saying that we did something that Mississippi State was accused of doing. Yeah. Sure, maybe we probably did. But Mississippi State was accused of doing it. We were never formally accused of doing anything. There were no tapes yeah. of anybody from Auburn doing anything. How in the world Mississippi State gets away with no NCAA investigation into that on their end? And then with what Godfrey put out uh, a year or two ago about how they got Ole Miss on probation, while admitting that Leo Lewis got paid to go to Mississippi State, blows right. my mind. They deserve every bad thing that happens to them. Those cowbells are awful. Coach Jordan was right to get him banned in the 60s or 70s. It felt really good to bring the hand of God down on them. And I, I could not have been more happy sitting at a wedding, casually watching, uh, watching them bleed out in the first half. Now, I, I, I posted something about this that got a little bit of controversy before the game, where I called Mississippi State the rice and the burrito bowl of the SEC West. That wasn't an insult to rice. That was saying that every burrito bowl has that thing in it that is just a filler. It's just there to starch the Yeah, the but bowl if your burrito bowl didn't have rice, you would miss it. Would you miss well, Mississippi State? Yeah, but it had, like we're if the like burrito bowl didn't have rice, it wouldn't be the burrito bowl. If Mississippi wasn't in the SEC West, we wouldn't have, we'd have an incomplete SEC West. You know, right. I mean, not, not everybody can be meat. Not everybody gets to be the tomato sauce. Not everybody gets to be the the uh, you know pico de gallo. Somebody's got to be the rice. Girl, I think you need a bigger post on what each team is as an well, ingredient. Well, I'm teasing this out because bowl. I'm thinking about doing that tomorrow. Is <laughs> right now who is the, who is each part of the burrito bowl that makes up the SEC West? But Auburn went in, and uh, this is a couple times where I feel like there there are people who have complained about Gus not quote unquote preparing his teams for games. But I think there's two instances that we can look back at, like Purdue and Mississippi State, where it feels like Gus prepped this team as if they were about to play the New York Jets. <laughs> like, Gus prepped this team as if they're about to play a bunch of pros. And you could tell from the get-go that one of those teams prepped that, prepped that way, and the other team didn't have a single thing for them. Like Mississippi State didn't have a single thing for Auburn in the first half. Yeah. Auburn was up 21 nothing in six minutes of game time. Yeah, and Mississippi State's first three drives were three and out, three and out, fumble and kickoff. Not just three and out. They had a fourth and 20 on the first a, drive. They had a delay of game on the first play of the game. Yeah. They didn't know what the script was to come out on offense. They That's had, unprepared. They had a they they punted on I want to say like fourth and twenty and fourth and thirteen right. on their they, first two drives. They had minus twelve yards through their first four offensive well three going into the fourth offensive possession. Yeah, that I mean that, three and out that three right and out. there. That to me, you uh, the quote Kevin Steele used for the Washington game last year about looking at five, looking at three, can't sleep on the plane. That's the type of thing that this offensive line of state was going through pregame. 
They were not prepared to accept the challenge of what that defensive line was giving them. Uh, neither was anybody in that starting 11 for them. And to see, to see our defense get put on the field first, have success, break their script, which is something that we've struggled with at different times already this year, um, and give our offense a short field. I mean, you knew, you knew within the first five minutes of that game it was going to be a fun night. Yeah, and, and then, unfortunately for Mississippi State, their quarterback got hurt. Actually, maybe fortunately, he was playing terrible. Unfortunately for Tommy Stevens. Yeah. You never want to yeah. see somebody get hurt. But uh, their backup came in, who also is kind of their starter. Yeah, Schrader. He, he played way better than Tommy yeah. Stevens did. Um, traditional Mississippi State quarterback, like not a great passer, but is a just big old boy that's tough to bring down. He's scrawny, though, for Mississippi. Well, I guess because he's a freshman. Yeah. He'll put on weight. It'll serve to benefit them in the long run that that happened. I, I've got a fan of state that I work with who is not happy somebody got hurt, but the fact that they've got Schrader getting more snaps, their their feeling is that it should help them in the next couple of years getting him as much reps as possible because I think they look at Stevens and, quite frankly, I think they kind of look at Moorhead as a lost cause. At this point. Yeah. I mean, they're the SB Nation site – is openly uh, recruiting him to Rutgers, which has got to be – that's as bad as – I don't know people who don't like Gus at all, but I don't think any of them would wish he goes to Rutgers. I don't think it's ever gotten to that well, point in and, offer. And if you're Mississippi State, I, I don't understand being this down and this upset about your second-year coach. Right. I mean, I, and, and literally every Mississippi State fan, including my brother – They've all had the same sentiment of, well, those teams aren't ready. I mean, they're un- they're unprepared. They're undisciplined. And like, Man, he's been there for what fifteen games now. Like, yeah, they okay. had they had their shot last year. They had the number one defense in the country last year, and they won eight games. That that was their shot, and they blew it, and they know it. Um, they're only going to get one of those type years, maybe once every eight to ten. Um, and, and their defense looked like it. It looked like they had lost. The best players in the history of the school on defense yesterday. Yeah. Last, oh, yeah. Last week. But, you know, they'll get that egg bowl. Good for them. They probably will. I think Auburn averaged, we said Auburn averaged five yards a carry. I want to say Auburn averaged like seven or eight yards a play. Yeah, it was, I mean, if you look at the passing from Bo Nix, it was like 16 for 21 for 330, 335 yards, maybe. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's what I wanted to talk about next. Yeah, I Bo mean, Nicks, he was yeah. just hitting those uh, intermediate and deep balls. That first pass he threw to Seth uh, was a laser beam. Yeah. It was a it was a bullet, and when that he hit that, ball. when he hit that, I I was I was I stood up and I was like, oh man, everybody's screwed now. If he's able to hit that throw, because it was that was the kind of throw he was underthrowing the last couple of weeks, and yeah, he nailed it. When it's getting to the point where teams aren't just they're not going to be able to put a single man on Seth Williams. They, he, and they beaten, really shouldn't. He's beaten every corner. I mean, it's whether it's a good throw or not, like he, he's winning all of the, the one-on-one balls. The worst thing Bonix did, he got away with because of who he did it to, but he stared Anthony Schwartz down on that deep ball. And I think it was because he saw that he was in man and realized it doesn't matter what I do. I could stare him down the whole time. That safety's not getting over there in time for this ball. Yeah. Because Anthony Schwartz had that kid burned like crispy toast by the time that ball was thrown to him. Yeah, and that kind of play, 
Bo doesn't have to try and be like, oh, I got to see exactly where I'm going to throw this, no. depending on where he's at. He just picks a spot, throws it to there, and knows that Schwartz is going to get there. Yeah. Guys, and it's all about an, timing at that point. Um, but and that, then, that's, a, that's an overthrow last week. What yeah. a testament to having some healthy wide receivers to actually get your timing down in practice in live situations. Uh, what a difference a week makes for Bo Nix with a fully healthy wide receiver core. Yeah, and he was able to get some rapport with his receivers, like he said. And like Anthony Schwartz, I think I, they said during the game that he had he has eight plays from scrimmage this year for eight first downs. Yeah, I was like every single one of his touches are either a first down <laughs> or a touchdown. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, we've kind of made fun of him uh, last year and in the offseason, but Sal Canella is a legitimate receiving threat now. I'm telling you, he's, I mean, he's, he's the offensive, like, bright spot on this team right now. It's yeah, like he's no one expected anything from him. Without Shedrick Jackson, Sal's been one of the better blockers out on the outside, and he's caught a lot of balls this year. Not a, yeah. They're not easy catches either. Um, so having somebody like him that, you know, Bo feels comfortable throwing to, it's a big body, that's been huge. Spencer and I had a good game. Everybody Dude, had a good it, game. Well, two things that I noticed, too, that what's different about Auburn this year that I don't think we've seen this out of Gus uh, probably since he was a coordinator here is you're seeing a healthy rotation of running backs to where you've got fresh legs in the fourth quarter, and I know we're going to get the fumbles in a minute. But the other thing that you're seeing now is you've started seeing him finally throw slant over the middle. And we're not talking about 30 yards downfield. We're talking about a slant 10 yards downfield, eight yards downfield. You saw a lot of that in 2017 with Will Hastings and Ryan Davis. But incorporating that on the outside with Seth Williams, us seeing some of that with Hastings is the middle of the field is open in this offense more times than not because we've got so much film we don't throw to it. So you've got a chance to truly take advantage of that uh, in the coming weeks before there's more film of it. And, you know, you talk about Seth Williams, they're going to have to start double covering him. Line up Anthony Schwartz on the same side and send him deep. If we see tendencies where he's double covered, there's no one person in America in a one-on-one situation that can keep up with number five. They're going to start putting safeties like in punt return coverage. You're going to have to. Yeah. It was funny listening to Schwartz. Uh, I'm not sure who was interviewing him post game, but they were talking about, you know, Hey, I mean, how do you feel about being you know, the fastest guy in college football? And his, essentially his response was, well, yeah, I mean, I know I am like, right. It's, it's, I'm not cocky. Like I just, I have the stats to say, Hey, I am the fastest person in football. This is one of those things like being the tallest person in football. Yeah. Like, it's no a one questions thing. that guy. Yeah. yeah. This is a guy who's calling out Usain Bolt on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so he's, right. he's, he's on another level of elite when it comes to speed. You won't see somebody like this again. Yeah. I, and it's not like he's a tiny five foot nine undersized kind of receiver. I mean, he's not big, but he's not a small guy. No, he's, 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 he's bigger than Will Hastings. <laughs> Most people are. Yeah, Will Hastings had a, that was a pretty decent catch he had, too. I thought, I thought that was a really nice route that he ran. Um, do you want to talk fumbles? We had that state got one from us that may have been the worst uh, review I've ever seen. And in a close game, people would have lit buildings on fire. I'm talking about the one where right the, fir- were, the first one, the first it, one where Auburn did not it, fumble the ball and they reviewed it and gave it to state. Right. There was a lot of ball security issues. I mean, this is pretty much the only negative unless you want to dog the second team defense. <laughs> right. Um, 
the ball security multiple times, and we, we've seen like one a game so far, but yeah. it seemed like every running back in this game had a fumble. Um, and they're, that's kind of a thing that we know Gus does yeah. not tolerate. And State did a really no. good job, credit to them, of poking the ball out. Yeah. Like that, once, they, you, once you know you're down yeah. so many points, that you got to go for the turnovers, and they were getting them. So credit to them. Well, I mean, the hope I see in it is, you know, I, on Nix's fumble, that was a horse collar in my book, but, you know, I ticky-tacky, they don't call it. That's fine. Uh, Nick can take that as a learning experience to get down because if, that's, if, that, if that tackle goes a little bit differently, that's a great way to get hurt. He's got to get to the ground on that. And so a positive of that is, is that you know this week in practice, they're reviewing that, and the simple fix to not fumbling is, look, Bo, you know somebody's crashing in on you. Get to the ground. The one that's most egregious to me was the Shivers fumble. And, and you know, I, I hate seeing it for the kid because the dude has a role in this offense as fast as he is. But, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, with Shivers and with Cam Martin, who I love, I love his heart, love his effort. Uh, he's an amazing teammate from everything I understand. They're not every down running back. And right. so when you see something like that, it almost forces the issue of, We've got to feed the ball to a second every down running back, which is where, you know, sure was nice to see DJ Williams finally see the field. Yeah, I agree. I like seeing DJ Williams see the field. I liked what they did with JJ Wilson, just speaking of other guys that were in the backfield. Like they really rotated guys in really well. And then not just rotated them in, but used them. Like used them in different ways, not just the same way. Well, and that's one of the important things that kind of criticized the offense for recent, in the last few years at least, but not as much this year where we are getting a lot of rotation in, a lot of, a lot of fresh legs in the game, throughout the game, but they're not doing it every play. Right. That was kind of the struggle for a long time was guys had specific roles and that's all they did. So you subbed them in for a play, you subbed them back out after you ran that play. And now they're, they're getting in for, you know, four or five, six plays consecutively. Right. And you can keep this tempo and you can keep the fresh legs. Yeah. We were so predictable last year in substitutions that we substituted a package in against Tennessee to run the fake Statue of Liberty play action where it caused a turnover that and it ended up, in my opinion, costing us the game. Um, being able to see us substitute effectively and guys have multifaceted roles within that is one of the most understated but critical things about why this offense is working. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that kind of goes with that, you know, they're they're getting the H backs outside. They're they're trusting Spencer Nye, JJ Wills, John Samuel Shanker. They're they're letting them kind of be the blockers outside, um, and that's one of the ways they can and move so fast is uh, having those H backs trusting them in multiple roles um, instead of only having them on you know, the traditional H back spot. Right. I'm I'm actually I've been really pleased with the way. Uh, that Gus has also utilized the Wildcat this year. Just like it is, it each time he uses it looks a little different. It's not just the same set. If you keep watching it, it's not just the same motion or the same action. It's a lot of different things happening in the Wildcat that he's done. Um, I don't know if it's just because Booby is getting more comfortable running it, or he, or Gus is more comfortable with him running it, or it's sometimes maybe it's out of necessity. You got to pull guys because your offensive line, you're not super. Uh, thrilled with them, even though I would say this is probably their best game in two years. Absolutely. 
the fact that no one even mentioned them on Twitter means they had an incredible. And it's game. two games in a row because yeah. A and M they were pretty solid there too. Um, there was one uh, I forget who was tweeting about it. They were kind of breaking down the game film uh, from the offensive line perspective, and it was out of the Wildcat. I think it was the one that that Booby scored on, where Markel Harrell pulls from the left guard spot. And by the time he gets to the line of scrimmage and is going through, there's there's no one there. Yeah. Because Tega from the outside of the right tackle spot comes in and is just a bowling ball bringing like three guys down from behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and then Booby's able to just walk in. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys want to go a little look ahead towards the uh, Florida Gators? Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. So we learned today. I learned today. Florida's opponents, thanks to Drew McCrackett and the slack, Florida has not played a single team that has beaten another Power 5 conference team this year. Ooh, it's, uh, it's going into week six. They're going into week six, <laughs> and their opponents are over Power 5. That's not great. Yeah, so they, they've played two FCS who's their teams. Best, who's their best opponent, Miami? I think it's Miami, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, so they've played two FCS teams, which m- most... Big schools don't do because you're not. Supposed you can't count to. both yeah. of them for bowl eligibility purposes. But uh, so they've played it's Towson and Florida, Towson and UT Martin, and then they've played Miami, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Right. So nothing much in the schedule going there. No, and Miami is not as good as everyone thought they were going to be when that yeah. Week Zero game came around. We and they're were not, all really excited. They're not. Neither bad. is they're Kentucky. Meh. And neither is Kentucky. Yeah, Josh. Is yeah. The Kentucky loss, the Kentucky lost their starting quarterback, and they're a shell of what they were last year with that running back going to the league. Right to where I mean, they're they've regressed back to the mean. Um, Florida ain't played nobody, guys. <laughs> What'd you say? Florida ain't played nobody, guys. They ain't played nobody, Paul. <laughs> Florida ain't played nobody. And what's what's wild is you'll hear Florida people and really everybody say that this is the week everyone finds out what Auburn and Florida are, I would say we figured out who Auburn is already. Auburn's played the best schedule. Auburn has the most impressive wins outside of LSU's beating Texas. Right. Of any, no one's beaten a better team than we've beaten. This, the second best win in the country right now is Auburn beating Oregon. And, and it keeps and, looking better and better every right. week. And like I said, LSU over Texas is the best win. Yeah. But then Auburn's also got two other top 30 wins. Tulane, yeah. that win's looking better and better right. every They're week. They're probably what, in the top 10 of the uh, G5 teams. Yeah. So they were receiving votes last week. Right. And yet we play three. We're in the number seven team in the country. We play three teams that are ranked ahead of us left on the schedule. Florida ain't one of them. No, we have to win this game. Yeah. We this have is, to win this game. What is the line? Let's see. Uh, depending on where you look, I think Auburn might be a like two, one or two point favorite. Oh, yeah. maybe on the road. So give me five. I like that. I like Auburn by five. I know if you look at if you look at S and P or sorry S P plus no and uh, it's sorry, more Cops. or less a toss up with Florida getting the the two points for being at home. Yeah, I mean the so you're saying it's Auburn by three. Right? Well, no, S P favors Florida by two. You're saying no. So Auburn and Florida basically have the exact same S P gotcha. um, ranking, and then Florida will get the points for for being gotcha. at home. And they deserve a little bit of credit for being at home because. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Texas A&M has over 100,000 people in their stadium, but they, they do the work of 50,000 people in Starkville. Yeah. Uh, this 
this is your real first true road test, uh, in my opinion. And uh, I, you know, nerds been point, AU nerds been pointing out this game since after the Oregon game. Shout out to AU nerd, by the way. Dude is amazing at coming up with coming up with stats. Uh, shout out He's to Josh Dub as us. well. The other Josh. The other um, Josh. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of concerns about, you know, how our offensive line is going to accept the challenge of what uh, Spencer Hall likes to describe as emotional blitzing from yep. <laughs> Todd Grantham, uh, defensive coordinator at Florida. They will throw the kitchen sink at us, and they will throw the kitchen sink at us uh, every day and twice on Sunday. This is a team that is going to put pressure on Bo Nix. They are going to make his life hard. Yeah. And their their method of winning this game is they are going to have to make Bo Nix beat himself. And as much confidence as I have in Bo Nix in this offense, uh, this is a different environment than what we have seen at any point this season. So uh, yeah. this is a, this is a very Florida does not have a resume to speak of, but this is a game that is by far to me going to be the biggest win we've gotten all year if we can go down there and get the dub. Auburn is is three-point favorites on Covers.com, and the money is all over Auburn right now. Hmm. I just would hate to see this game come down to a field goal at the very end. That would just <laughs> my heart. It would. It would be just so – it would be so sad for those Gators to, to have to lose again with – I wonder if Anders would, would run off the field with doing the Gator Chomp and screaming at the student section. I don't think he's got that in him. I can tell you this. We win this game down there. If there's one player that's going to be doing the Gator Chomp, it's old Anthony Schwartz based on yeah. how his is blown up this week. Yeah, man, that dude's been taking a lot of heat. Man, I, I, didn't, like, I didn't like that. Like, just because a kid commits to a different school, you don't go, again, you don't tweet at recruits even after they've signed. That's my... Like Jack, you, Jack, Jack <laughs> tweeting at Cruz out here. Uh, yeah, so one of the big things in this game is going to have to be the Auburn defense, not just playing well against Florida offense, but keeping them off the board. I mean, it, you you can't expect a ton out of Bo on the road at Florida. He might he might deliver, he might not. Uh, so he's you're going to have to lean on the defense here, um, and I think they can do it. Florida's they're still out their best offensive playmaker in Kadarius Tony. They're on their backup quarterback in, in Kyle Trask, who he does not like run the ball. But he looks better than Frank's throwing the ball. Right. But the thing that you know, Auburn's been pretty good in, in pass defense this year. The thing that's the only thing that's really gotten to him is a quarterback that can run. And, I mean they're, they're stuffing running backs, but they're they're letting some of the quarterbacks run on them. Um, Trask doesn't offer that. So I mean, I have a hard time seeing where the big plays are going to come from if you're Florida. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know, especially not against this defense. Florida's not great protecting the quarterback, and Auburn's got a defensive yeah, line. Towson that, sacked him three times. If anything, one thing the Auburn defensive line has not done is gotten enough sacks. So they're probably a lot of them still look, licking their chops trying to, you know, break into the sack rotation. Right. And I, this I would, would be a love, great week to do it. I mean, that Florida film will look real good on your draft film on draft night if you're Derek Brown. You'd love to see a bunch of sacks against a guy in a blue uniform with an F on the side of it playing as Roger Goodell reads your name. This is going to be a huge game, too. I mean, I, I think we're almost in kind of the Auburn bubble where it's 
okay, it's another ranked game on our schedule. Like this is like the fourth most important game of the year. But this is a top ten matchup. Yeah, it's college game day. It it is the game of the week. And yeah. there's no doubt about that. Um, this is Auburn gonna Auburn's gonna have to show out on a national stage in a possible environment. Um, if Auburn goes in and wins this game, this be, they should be uh, on track to win against anybody. Yeah, if Auburn goes into Florida and wins this game. There's nowhere Auburn can't win, and there's nobody Auburn can't beat. That, I think. And I, I, I hope mean, this doesn't happen, but if Auburn wins this game, they deserve to be the number one team in the country. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. A guy in the Washington Post today said that, that Auburn should already be the number one. Like, if it's just based on what you've done this year, right. it, there's nobody who's done anything close. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're dealing well, with it predictively going forward, maybe yeah. not, but just as a resume. It, yeah. To be fair, though, we have there's one opponent that we've not faced nearly to the degree that our uh, our uh, counterparts across the state have, and that is the heat of the sun. And you have to factor that in. That's true. We have not uh, been hot. <laughs> no, no, we have we have not been hot, hot, hot. Like it's our gonna. Be... <laughs> um, you know, you feel bad for them. They're playing another day game, aren't they? I have been saying for years, guys, that it is it is against you know quality health it should be a health advisory to be going to a game in tuscaloosa i'm worried about people um i'm concerned for my friends that are alabama fans uh thank goodness they get a bye week off this week as you know lord knows they need it after having to deal with such heat in that with sun my god the sun <laughs> mm. alabama I mean, undefeated against the sun that's right uh, I like that they put those sprayers in, like, so you feel like you're going to Six Flags. Because one thing that I love about being really hot is when I'm wet. <laughs> I like being right. not, like, wet, like I'm in water, but damp. I like being damp and hot. Be more sweaty. In a really humid environment. It really helps. I'll tell you what I love. I love the fact that they spent millions of dollars on this brand-new LED light so that they could have a laser light show in their stadium. And CBS took their one primetime spot for the Notre Dame Georgia game. They're going to get that LSU game at home at two thirty. They ain't having a night game this year. Yeah, you hate to see it, Josh. You hate yeah. to see it. You have to break them out against Mississippi State. I think that game yeah. in Tuscaloosa this year. Yeah, they're going to have to, they're <laughs> going to break them out. Well, yeah. one thing I'll say about this Florida game, Ryan, uh, I'll I'll take the place of Chief this week to uh, make fun of how young you are. This is actually a rivalry game. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> not uh, to me. I've never yeah, seen Florida well, beat Auburn. Uh, I will tell you this. I've sat in Jordan-Hare Stadium many a times and known going into it that we were about to take an L against superior Steve Spurrier teams. This series is one that it's a shame that it's gone away every year. Florida is one of the most fun games on our schedule when we play them. Um we need to win this game for a multitude of reasons. We recruit against these guys a lot more than people realize. Uh, those kids in the Panhandle and in Central Florida, um, this is a game that we would love to be able to put on film and go, this is why you need to choose us. Um, I yeah, want we can get some more game. Anthony Schwartzes. I want, uh, yeah, I want this game more than almost any other game on our schedule because – it sure would be nice to see a quarterback named Knicks with the number of 10 uh, get a W in, in the swamp after uh, what I as a little kid saw in 1994. 
I also need us to win this game because, quite frankly, ever since I joined Twitter, my singular purpose has been to give Spencer Hall hell about the West Byram kick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, really need this to come through for us. <laughs> just over every time Auburn scores, you should just tweet that exact gif just over and over and over again. Or, like, uh, instead of doing push ups, just tweet it that many times. So if Auburn has 70 well, points, you have the 70 times you tweeted it. I even, I even went so far because the guy, we both love Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, it's a great video game, and this wonderful thing called Cameo exists where I was able to pay, I paid real American dollars for the guy that did the voice of the main character in Red Dead 2 to trash Florida to Spencer and had it texted to him uh, over the summer. I've already reminded him of that this week. Um, so good. I'm just going to say that I have gone all in on this and desperately need us to win this game to keep this going because I don't know what my brand is without us beating Florida. That's so good. <laughs> someone, speaking of Cameo, someone suggested to me last week that I should put on Cameo that I would sing We've Got Jared and change the words to other people's names for money. I haven't, I'm not going to not do that. But that might get you in some copyright issues. <laughs> if you want to give me money, then I'll just sing it. Give me some. Give me your phone number. I'll call you right now and sing the song to you. Strap in the voicemail. Doesn't happen to me. Also, shout out to the Auburn marching band for playing. We've got Jared this past week. Uh, Two weeks in a row, man. James pointed it out on the Slack. You could hear the fans singing it at the end of the song when they honored the Final Four team and. Uh, the only thing that could have made that better is if they could have had you. I tried, man. They should have had you sing it. That's been, we, needed that's a live re- we needed a live rendition. I'm still, it's still available, Auburn University. If you're listening, I know Auburn University follows me on Twitter. If you're listening to this, I will, I'll sing it for money. Crow, if, you are, <laughs> if you're not the first celebrity in for the basketball team. No, year. that's the most insane tradition. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do it. I'll wear an N t-shirt. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we have all about finished this podcast this week. Pretty good one. Josh. Do you have any exciting things that you want Auburn fans to watch for in this week's game? Uh, what I'd like to see this week, and I think everybody needs to watch, is the battle up front with our defensive line. Our defensive line's got the ability to feast in this game. Um, Derek Brown called out Nick Coe in the media uh, two week, uh, last week. Um, time for Nick Coe to get to the quarterback and have a sack or two, and I expect him this week to have a very motivated game going into this. The stats around a lack of sacks needs to change this week. Uh, be looking for that to happen in the swamp. Yep. I'm calling it right now Owen Papo pick six. All right. That's happening in this game. I'll take yeah, it. One of the things he struggled with the most has been you know, reading RPOs, and I don't think we're going to see that a ton from no. Florida. So uh, he should be able to have a good game here. But they're going to try to test him on some sort of wheel route yeah. or running back pass, and he's going to take it back to yeah. for six. What I want to see is how uh, the Auburn receiving corps fares against uh, C.J. Henderson. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he's the best player on Florida. Um, he's like a top 20 projected draft pick, a cornerback. And that's, what, that's what Florida's always known for, right? Yeah. It's just ridiculous athletes on the outside. Offense, defense, doesn't matter. Um, he's probably going to be on Seth Williams the whole game. Yeah. So, uh, well, like we see that matchup. That'll be pretty good. Good. Maybe a big game for Will Herring. Will Hastings. <laughs> well, shout out to Will Herring. Bring him back. Anyway, Josh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Ryan, do you want to say it for Chief? Also, shout out to Chief. 
He's not here again because he's still on paternity leave from this podcast. Still has a baby. Yeah. Still has a baby. Doing great. Doing great. Go news. Adios.